Hey everybody, Captain Andy Comics is right about to start, but there's a lot of great podcasts on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, including this one. I'm Keith Conrad. And I'm Misty Callahan. On Geek Counter Geek, we'll tackle the tough questions that keep you up at night. Like, who is the better captain? Kirk? Picard or Crunch. Plus, you'll get to chart our progress as I try to write the great American novel. And I try to create a comic book. It's Geek Counter Geek on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. It's time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos. And now, here's your hosts... John and Steven. Thank you, Captain Comics. I'm your host, John Clark. And thank you to Jeff Sussman. Jeff Sussman uh, recorded our voiceover introduction in 2013. And we have been proud to run it every single week. Uh, he's a great stand-up comedian. He, uh, he's hosted a great podcast called The Batcave. And he's also a dad. He just had a baby daughter. He's the proud father of a beautiful baby daughter. And our congratulations to him. And you see, life does go on in this place of social isolation and social distancing. And to that end, it's a regular week of the podcast with uh, Stephen and myself, except that Stephen's not here. Um, number one, we're all separated, but Stephen's roommate, uh, Lainey, is immunocompromised, so we really couldn't risk him coming out, getting in a car, driving out to where I have kids that are running around. So, uh, it'll, for the foreseeable future, every podcast is going to be a Skypecast from now on, whether it's a long-distance uh, guest or my co-host, but... That being said, let's just get into it, because that's the kind of stuff we're talking about. So what's it like to be sequestered with an immunocompromised roommate? Well, um, for us, it's not a lot different than where we were when she first got her transplant. A lot of the things that they're telling people to do, we were already doing, where we were uh got to wipe down all the surfaces, keep the house incredibly clean. Um, we've got hand sanitizer all over the place. Anytime we go out, um, or I'm sorry, anytime we come back into the house, we're supposed to sanitize our hands. So a lot of the stuff, it's just like, oh, this is like what it was nine months ago. Um, the biggest thing is going to be how long are we going to be stuck uh, indoors? And yeah. uh, how long before we start trying to kill each other? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of everybody's. Now, now, Lainey has, like, a form of blood cancer, right? Yeah, she had... Um, so what did she get transplanted? Was it a uh, transfusion? Well, or like She has a specific kind of leukemia that I can't remember the name of, but mm. so she got a bone marrow transplant, which you'd oh. think, like, uh, I don't know what anyone thinks it looks like, but it's just, like, liquid, and the transplant yeah. lasts, like, 30 seconds. It's incredible. Cool. Um, so she had her transplant back not this past february but the february before so she's a year old uh a little over a little her second uh birthday um is in uh late february okay um so uh yeah so she is uh in the high risk group you know they'd say you know people who have uh pre-existing conditions and the elderly she's the first one pre-existing right. conditions. So and that's why that's why you and I are doing this podcast remotely. Yes. I, I was assuming going into this week that you'd be the only person I would see. 
Yeah. <laughs> on the <laughs> podcast. Sorry to burst your bubble. I was like, I'm going to Skype everybody but Steven. And then uh, yesterday I'm like, well, do you have Skype? Can you install Skype? Yeah. And I've used Skype at work before on work computers. Um, yeah. And this is my work laptop, but this is the first time I put Skype on it. So, uh, yeah, made, they make it easy for you. Yeah, it, it is pretty easy. And now the, the big thing is that you can just press record. So that that's within the last six months. So that kind of changes everything. I would yeah. say this is going to launch a lot of podcasts, but the social yeah. distancing has lost thousands of podcasts. Yes, I like, think um, every day there's nine months from now, we're, we're going to have a boom of babies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's that. But it's all uh, but also we're having a boom of podcasts now. I'm finding the first thing that happened when they really shut everything down Um you know, as we got off the boat last week, when we came back from the Caribbean, and that was last week's episode, was on the boat, they shut the cruise line down, and then I flew back from Fort Lauderdale, and that airport was packed, because it was international, right. and then, uh, and that was right around the time that Trump said there was going to be a travel ban, and then, so I got an earlier flight, so I had to switch at Nashville, and then I got to Nashville, and Nashville was empty. Oh, so it's going to be like the extremes. The airports are either like flooded or they're deserted. Yeah, and I think because Nashville's domestic, there's no international flights. Like literally, uh, I flew Southwest, which is now canceled like 75% of their flights. But everybody had their own row. Wow. Like I'd never seen this happen. You know, Southwest, you don't get a seat. You just kind of line up with a number and then figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is why, you know, which is why the, the tickets are $80. And I'm in favor of that. Yeah. Uh, no seat on a plane is comfortable. So. No, right. They're all the same, you know? <laughs> yeah, I like the window because it's less people getting next to me. Yeah. Yeah, I think the window is preferable just because it's uh, limits. But then, the, you know, the aisle seat, then you get to, you know, get up and go to the bathroom, you know, as often as you need to. Stretch your yeah. legs. Are you a window guy or an aisle guy? Um, neither or. I'm a sleeping guy. I, uh, I'm a great traveler. When I get on an airplane, I just, uh, go, go unconscious for, you know, as long as the flight takes. Oh, yeah. You know, when you and I went down to Puerto Rico, like, six years ago. Yeah. You told me that I sit next to you, and I'm like, I got all these movies on my iPad. I can give you headphones. You're like, now nah, I'm going to sleep. And you're in yeah. the middle seat. <laughs> yep. I can sleep anywhere. It's, That's uh, a, great. I can't. I can barely sleep anywhere. <laughs> right, yeah. In, in my own bed, I need Ambien sometimes. Yeah. Like yeah. Ambiening up on the on the cruise as well. I was. Uh, I I had it with me because the you know the boat's moving, and we had the first couple of nights the ocean was really choppy, so in fact we could not get off the boat at our first destination. So we just kind of stayed on the boat, and a lot of people got seasick. The first show people were just bringing stools out on stage and they were like i can't stand up oh wow uh storm from paul and storm just laid down on the stage and put a microphone over his mouth that's great yeah it was it was yeah. it was heavy and it, and it was weird too because that stop was their private island that like the cruise line owns it was like a teeny tiny little island and then they were like well we can't stop there because we can't uh, get the boats over there because the sea is too choppy. So then we went to Santo Domingo, which was the uh, in the Dominican Republic, and that was on an actual town, and that we could actually like just dock up on the shore uh, into the port and walk off. And then we were going to go to um, 
Grand Marks, I think it was. I, I can't remember because we didn't go. And then they wouldn't let us off because of the coronavirus. Nobody yeah. on the nobody on the cruise had it, but they are already shut it down. So far as you know. Yeah, well, yeah, but it's been uh, it's been over a week, and uh, I'm still getting updates because I belong to all of the like the fake the social groups and stuff for the cruise. Sure. And everybody's still like, "Yep, nobody has it." But they refused to let us off the boat, so we ended up going to the first place that we had to skip because the ocean was so choppy. Do you think cruises are going to survive it, you know? I don't mm, Not many. I, I think they'll survive in some form. Yeah, there's like a novelty. <laughs> yeah, there, I um, – oh, my God, now that I, I just realized this. Albert Brooks wrote a novel 10 years ago called 2020 about how the world would fall apart. Was and uh, I, it's probably worth rereading now. I mean, Albert Brooks is a genius, and it it was it was good. It was clearly his first stab at writing a novel, so it wasn't that well written a book. Sure. But but one of the things he had that always stuck with me was all the Gen Xers who they didn't have. They all went bankrupt because they didn't have health insurance, and they all had to live on docked cruise ships. <laughs> and, and those became like the low income housing. Yeah. And then I just realized, oh, that's this year. That's what's happening. <laughs> and now these cruise ships just, just are looking for something to do. You ever see that Bill Burr bit about cruise ships where he yes. you just start torpedo torpedoing them? Yeah, I mentioned that to Bill when we were on the cruise. He was like, yeah. he's like, they're just out in the ocean. People be like, what happened? I don't know. It just never came back. Yeah. Like, and who's going to miss those people? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, cruise ships were the first to go. And then they shut down all the movie theaters. There were a couple of days where AMC yeah. was like, we're going to sell all our theaters at half capacity. And uh, so nobody has to sit together. And then the next day, they just shut them all down. Yeah, and I've heard now, um, like, a lot of major movies are getting either delayed or they're being discussed releasing them online. Like, Black Widow got pushed back indefinitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I guess it, that new Pixar movie. Yeah, the new Pixar movie is just going to show up on Disney Plus in like a week. Right. They're just going to put it out there because I guess it's like, it's, you know, no one's going to go see a movie in the next four months. Right. And that's the big worry about people that love the theater going experience is like, oh, is this the end then? Because people are going to get so used to yeah new movies because Universal put all of their movies out on demand. And it's like. Like uh, the Elizabeth Moss Invisible Man movie and that movie The Hunt that was going to come out six months ago, but then there was a disaster in the country and it didn't come out. Uh, that is on – they all went like straight to iTunes and Amazon Prime, and they're 20 bucks to rent, which makes sense because they're brand new. Right, because it's – I guess the idea is like you'd have it for you know two days or three days or something. You could watch it more than once. Yeah, will cost twice as what a movie costs. Yeah, it's uh, I yeah, I I, I as a former business owner, uh, I don't understand how comic book stores are going to survive this. I don't understand how movie theaters are going to survive this. I don't understand how any uh, small restaurants are going to make it. I just think it's like um, I I really don't I can't imagine what six months from now is going to look like. No, um, no. Well, nobody knows. I know right. comic, comic stores, a lot of them were doing curbside delivery. Like, basically, they became drive-thrus. Right. And, and, and they were delivering. But then then they shut most of those down. I know um, our good friend Mark Hammond, who runs the All Yeah in upstate New York, he's still in that shop. Because I think upstate New York hasn't 
isn't a complete lockdown. The city is. New York City is, but not the state. Yeah, not the state because they're yeah. up, they're upstate. But yeah, sure. there's not much. And you know, I had, um, I had, uh, I subscribed to Amazing Spider-Man. It's the one comic I still get. And they missed, they missed another issue. And oh. I'm like, yeah, they missed an issue. I was talking about this on the podcast before. They missed an issue about three or four issues ago. Right. And I was like, hey, you guys missed an issue. And they were like, oh, sorry, we'll, we'll extend your subscription to 13 issues instead of 12. And I was like, great. And I ran over to the, new, to the new Challengers in River North, which is a really nice store. And I bought that issue. And I was like, yeah, I'm good. And then they did it again. And I'm like, well, there's nowhere for me to go to get this. Right. So yeah. literally last night, uh, I was reading I was reading it, and it's like the beginning of a new story. And it's good. You know, it's like brings Boomerang back, and um, it's a lot of fun. Ryan Otley drew it. Uh, I still love the run, but after I finished the paper comic, I was like, yeah, I could have just read this on an iPad. And yeah, this might kill your physical book reading completely, I think. It, it really will, and I— and I have this thing where if I'm home for more than three or four days, I start going through my collection and I start pulling out stuff to sell because I'm like, oh, I didn't know I had this. I guess I don't want it. Right. But, but right now it's like, well, who do you sell it to? Yeah. I mean, it's just like get it all boxed up and ready to go for, you know, whenever the inevitable quarantine gets lifted. Right. And But nobody knows when that's going to be. Yeah. And you might not even have stores to sell it to depending on how long this goes on for because, uh, again, I don't know how many businesses have – you know can 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 just pay rent right uh, you know it's like uh with you know i'm sure the stores are gonna have to lay people off it's like uh you know the unemployment numbers in illinois are insane right now and they're only gonna get worse yeah well renee just got furloughed what does that mean that means she keeps her benefits but she's not working there and she's not getting paid and her work email doesn't work wow so That's- it ha- that happened like friday afternoon at 4 30 yeah, that's nuts. Yeah, it's so uh, so honestly, she's you know, she's been at this place for like six years and sure. uh, she's thinking of making a move. I'm like, oh, this is a great time to think about what you want to do next. Uh, however, no one's going to interview you. Yeah, you're not going to be able to get a job anywhere. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's going to be a minute. I mean, my job is still like I'm still billing 55 hours a week because my job basically. My job basically went, oh, you don't have to commute. You can work for two more hours. Right. Um, yeah. So, so, uh, so you guys are teleworking then, you know. Uh, yeah, we're oh, we're 100% telecommuting and apparently advertising doesn't care because I was just talking to um, – I was just talking to Beer Babe Jess the other day, and she's at a different agency. She's like, yeah, I have no social life, and it's not because I can't leave my house. Wow. So, uh so we're just cranking. I mean, it's good. We're still getting paid. And my job actually is giving everybody a $100 bonus for work from home supplies. Oh, that's awesome. They were like, hey, um, since we're as a company, we're 100% work from home. They're like, maybe you need another monitor. Maybe you need a better keyboard. Sure. So we're just so going to add this to your like paycheck. Make everyone's job easier. Do you think you guys are going to go back to like uh... – I think don't you kind of assume most companies are going to kind of see that everyone can work from home pretty easily and that they're just going to not have offices anymore. I I really think working remote is going to take off change exponentially. I was just talking to Bill Monroe, uh, gave him a call to see how he's doing. He's in the middle of moving, by the way. Oh, that sucks. So I had a hard time talking to him. Bill's in Seattle. 
Bill's in Seattle. He has yeah. one. He has one arm because yeah, he had yeah. Well, he has he has two. He has one functioning arm. Yeah, he has one that's just kind of there. Uh, <laughs> but he was packing his old apartment. He was like coiling up all his computer cables because he said the movers took one look at them and walked away. Yeah. <laughs> and so. So I was talking to him in a big empty apartment. He had a loft, which had like a staircase that went up to a landing where he had his computers and then it went out onto a deck. Um, it was a nice place, but they kept raising his rent. So he was like, you know what? I could own a condo. So he bought a condo. So he was like alone in a shutdown city, yeah. coiling up cables. And he had me on speakerphone, which was echoing all over the place. And his so, big empty apartment. Yeah. So about after about 20 minutes, I'm like, yeah, I, I can't understand what you're saying. <laughs> this is, is going to work. So, wow. so it's it's amazing how life goes on regardless. But he was saying, yeah, because he works mostly remotely. And the biggest obstacle behind remote work has been trust of like, oh, we think you're just going to screw around and not do your work. But yeah. now that a lot of companies are forced to do it right. and they're seeing that needs are going to get met, they're prob- I really think they're probably going to go to even smaller office spaces. Because right. in the last 10 years, they got rid of everybody's cubicle. They got rid of everybody's offices. And, like, you just sit at these long desks because it's cheaper. I think what they're going to do is they're going to have offices that cannot hold everybody that works there. Right. It'll be like they'll have a conference room somewhere they'll rent, you know, for a monthly meeting yeah. or a weekly meeting. Or yeah, something. like a reception area, a conference room, and maybe one or two offices. Yeah. And then yeah, everybody yeah. else will be home. All working remotely. The – Editors all we got. I mean, our boss was kind of ahead of the curve on this. He he sent everyone home. I think the Friday before a lot of other people were, and all the editors took hard drives home with all the work, so they could all work remotely. And then like my job's very remote work. I was doing it already when any anytime Laney had an appointment, I was working from the hospital with my laptop um, for the past you know two or three years. So. Uh, but now that so then Michelle, the other producer at the company's uh, working remotely as well. And it's like but like our work's drying up, like we had a big project got canceled. We were supposed to shoot this event in April and uh, the event got canceled, obviously. Um, so there's a lot of like, oh, uh, how many projects are going to get canceled? How many projects are going to be put on hold, um, you know, for how far into the future? You know, no one really knows. Right. Because you guys can't do any shoots. Right. We did um, we did one shoot last week where we just had the crew come in. We had the client work. Um, he was review. We were just shooting photos for products and we had the client reviewing the products, the photos for the products after we uploaded them to Dropbox and he was commenting on them on real time. So we're also kind of doing this like um, uh, what do you call it? Like, like kind of what we're doing is like this digital working where it's like, you know, you conference somebody in on Zoom or Skype. Right. Um, you know, that can kind of direct while, you know, we have a limited crew on set that, you know, guys that can come around and, you know, they're only going to the shoot and then they're going back home. Yeah, it's but, um, yeah, it's well, crazy. We're, we're living tough. unusual times. Yes. I was just talking to Mike Drucker, who um, he just got promoted, actually. He's the head writer of uh, Full Frontal with Samantha B now. Oh, good um, but I was talking I was texting him this week and we were talking about. The situation, and he said, "Yeah, we're all working from home. We just don't know if we're actually going to make a show." So, and I don't know that they had one this week because it's just 
how big a crew do you need to have in that studio? Right. You know, well, so even it's like, like watching all the late night shows that were doing yeah, like, those last episodes. Yeah, was, like Col- Colbert, Colbert was like shooting from his house. Yeah, and it's like uh, uh, last week tonight, Colbert. It's like uh, Trevor Noah. All these guys yeah, are Daily Show. Yeah, shooting without audiences, and now just moving completely to you know recording little videos that they're sending into the editors. And that that kind of worries me because that also tells you if there's one thing business knows how to do, it's how to figure out how to do things cheaper. Yeah, and I'm wondering how many shows come back because basically all the late night shows are YouTube channels now. Right. Yeah. So so. I feel like some of the networks are going to be like, why are we giving this guy $2 million to shoot in the Ed Sullivan theater in front of 200 people a night? Uh, Let him just stay in his bathroom. Yeah, I think it is going to be uh, – it's yeah, it's going to be seeing uh, how many different ways companies can look to capitalize on all the ways they're probably saving money now, whether that's with less workers or less office space or, uh, you know – Go foregoing studio audiences. Yeah, it's gonna be. It's definitely gonna be interesting because I feel like one of the major things we're doing now is putting a hard stop to the economy. Yes, and that can that's gonna be good and bad. It's it's bad in the short term, whereas people like my wife are just kind of laid off with no severance, um, and a lot of people that are working retail and working restaurants and working bars um, are just making nothing. Right. But but I also think there's the longer term is like, oh, we can do this work remotely. Oh, we really need teachers and and people that work cash registers more than we need CEOs. Right. Um, so I think it's got I think it, it can be and it never re- ends up being that way. It could be the seismic shift to the economy. The problem is we built an economy which, number one, doesn't need everybody because we built all these technological solutions. Right. And number two has been manipulated and rigged over the last 40 years where fewer and fewer people are controlling more and more of the wealth. And we're figuring out that those people are, aren't actually doing anything. Right. And I think it just kind of – this crisis kind of punches holes in any argument that says like we shouldn't have universal health care. And you right. know, it's like uh, there's a um, – I love all the people that were taking a dump on socialist programs, and I'm sure those people will be first in line to cash their socialist checks when they yeah. come from the government. Yeah, they all want that $1,000, which I never think is coming. Yeah, right. Uh, I found out uh, – I was looking at it online and – I had heard that they were going to base the $1,000 uh, or whatever check they're allegedly going to send everybody. It was supposed to be based off your tax returns. And then I was like, oh, fuck. I haven't filed taxes in like five years. Oh, you really shouldn't record that. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. No one listens. Um, Don't tell me no one listens. Just well, the because, government's not listening. Just because 15,000 podcasts started in the last week. Right, the the market's been saturated. But then, so yesterday, I uh, I, I sat down and I filed my 2019 taxes. So I think I'm just gonna kind of go back, you know, okay. slowly over the last couple of years and just start filling this in. Well, they extended the deadline to July, and much like everything this government does, nobody knew what that meant for like a day. Right. So yeah. Like, I don't have to pay my taxes till July. Do I have to file them before <laughs> July? And it's like communication is not. The strong suit of this government. No, as are many other things. Right. Um, 
Yeah, not getting it. So what you were saying actually uh, before we had to reboot the recording, when you were in New Orleans, you were like things were just getting worse and worse while you were out there. My yeah. experience was we were cut off because we had no Wi-Fi. So, yeah, we. So I mean, we lived in a bubble. Probably good, uh, just because it's like I don't know how much news people should be like consuming. I'm like an avid consumer news and i feel terrible <laughs> so uh i was refreshing my news feed pretty regularly towards the end of the trip and we had gone to uh, originally we we're in new orleans and then we went to visit laney's folks in uh alabama and then her her uh, uh biological father's in alabama and then we visited her folks in florida and um we had started hearing that like all the toilet paper was gone and people in chicago were saying that all the stores were wiped out so when we were coming back, we stopped at a couple small towns along the way to stock up on stuff, figuring there'd be less traffic at, you know, smaller stores, you know, coming back. Um, and then when we got back, it seemed like everything really hit the fan uh, to where we were like, oh, this isn't like we heard like two days after we left New Orleans that the Louisiana governor then shut down Bourbon Street. Um, they were, they were just like driving down the street with like megaphones screaming at people to go home, <laughs> you know? So I think we got out just in time. Uh, it was, um, New Orleans is awesome if anyone's ever been there and who knows when you'll be able to go back. But, yeah. um, we did a lot of, uh, fun stuff there. It was really cool. Um, highly, highly, highly recommend it. Um, yeah, I but, love uh, New Orleans. yeah, it's a great town. Uh, um, your buddy's from there, Mark Norman. Mark Norman, yeah, who's been on the show, who's a great comedian, is from there. And actually, after Hurricane Katrina, he moved to New York, which is where I met him when I was doing stand-up. Of like a good six, seven guys who were doing stand-up in New Orleans, there was no clubs left in New Orleans. Yeah. And they were like, well, we want to we wanna become professionals anyway. Let's just move to New York. It's a good opportunity, yeah. It was. It's worked out well for Mark. Mark's doing yeah. all right. He's um, doing great. And well, that's – one of the one of the interesting things I've noticed is that when well, they shut down all the comedy clubs, right? So uh, all of my friends who are comedians are stuck in their apartments, <laughs> right? So they're all starting to do live streaming stand up shows in their apartments. Yeah, I'm sure so that has mixed results. Yeah, so you're either launching your own podcast or you're creating your own streaming show of you doing stand up, and I'm seeing a lot of musicians that are like. Uh, just playing in front of their computers. I did that this week. I saw um, that. Yeah, Kevin uh, was doing it too. Yeah, the guys in my Tom Petty band, like we can't even get together. We have a show in April that who knows if it's going to happen or not. Right. But um, Spoiler but after John, it's not going to happen. <laughs> At the end of April. <laughs> yeah. I think people are being wildly optimistic about when this is going to end. Yeah. So, um, so everybody's been posting videos and I realized that the urge to perform as, as an artist is much stronger than the urge to consume art as an audience. Yes. It's just everybody that wants to perform is just going to perform. And we, I've talked about this several times times about how the internet changed the dynamic but um entertainment used to be i'm gonna starve and then i'm gonna be a millionaire well, at least that's the hope like i'm gonna get my own show or i'm gonna sure. get into movies and um you know now it's not like that now you can just keep kind of grinding it out but immediately every performer is working for free 
Yes. I Which is also um, not a good negotiating tactic. No, it's, it's, um, I think, um, things are changing quite a bit and I think we won't really be able to recognize it until we're kind of on the other side of this, whatever that might look like. Yeah. Um, well, I'll say I am getting caught up on a lot of comic book reading, which is great. Oh, good. Cause I'm actually, I haven't been reading much. I've been reading a lot of books about, uh, the production of Star Trek, the next generation. Oh, well, at least you're reading. You know? yeah, yeah, I'm reading. Um, Yeah, and by the way, Hoopla is a godsend because the, the public libraries are all closed. Right, but, yeah, they just shut down. Uh, Chicago's uh, CPL uh, system shut down yesterday, I think at noon. Um, we got all the text alerts for um, that, and then all the public parks are closing. Uh, closed yesterday at 5 p.m. because um, they're kind of locking down uh, <laughs> Illinois. Yeah, but you can still download library books. If your library card hasn't expired, like mine oh, did. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I just which I didn't know until I tried to um, uh, download some stuff from the system. Is your, yours is expired? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're screwed. Because mine expired, and then before the cruise, I went down to the library because I downloaded like five books for the cruise. Yeah. But now I'm all right. Yeah, you're good to go. Yeah. Um so, yeah, so there's there's a lot of good sales too. I just bought um oh, let me ask you this question as a millennial cuz yeah. you're you're my millennial representative. I am. I I'll speak for all millennials. Growing up, Howie, I was just talking to Howie Weingarten last night who uh by the way broke his ankle a week before all of this happened. Whew. So he was just sitting on the couch and then joined by the rest of the world sitting on the couch. Right. <laughs> so I was talking Yeah, so I was talking to him last night and we uh, we started talking about the Flintstones. And uh how how big was the Flintstones when you were growing up? Uh I wouldn't say it was like huge, but it was on the same level of like uh Bugs Bunny, Tom and Jerry where it was a cartoon that was almost always on. Yeah, uh, that's how it was probably for us too. Seen most of it, I would say. Um yeah, they- and then don't forget Halle Berry was in a Flintstones live action movie with um one of the Baldwins. <laughs> yeah, with Oh, that was the second one, wasn't it? Uh, did they replace Barney? I think they were replaced Barney, everybody. Baldwin? Really? They did the Flintstones, and it was um, John, it was jo- Goodman, John Goodman right? was Fred, and Rick Moranis was Barney. Oh, yeah. And I think Elizabeth Perkins was Wilma, and was it Rosie O'Donnell was yeah. Betty? Rosie O'Donnell was Betty. Before and she they, crazy. Yes, and then they made a sequel where no one came back, and it was like um, uh, Jenna from 30 Rock. Jay Grakowski was Betty, and it was like one of the lesser Baldwins was Barney. I think Fred was a guy that had a show on CBS at the time. Yeah. Well, then Halle Berry was in it, and she was a bad guy. And I don't remember anything else about that movie other than she was running around in like a a tiger skin bikini. And I remember that because I was like 13 or 14 probably. I feel like I don't know. Halle Berry was just getting bigger and bigger, and she was like getting nominated for stuff. And I, I guess as a superhero guy, I feel like X Men really hurt her career. I don't oh, yeah. know if something else got involved, but X Men did not help her one bit. I thought X Men 
did help her. I thought like that was her big like uh, mainstream movie, you know. But she's the worst one in it. <laughs> yeah, no, she is. <laughs> like, Absolutely. like it made Hugh Jackman and it broke Halle Berry. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's uh, it was a bit bit of a trade off there, and they were both in Swordfish together. Do you remember Swordfish? Yes, I never saw it because everybody said it was terrible. It was terrible, but Halle Berry was topless in it, and I also remember that because I was probably thirteen or fourteen at the time. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, that'll stick with you. And I think John Travolta was the bad guy. Yeah, that's when John Travolta started getting weird. Yeah, remember him? And uh, did you ever you saw the Thomas Jane Punisher movie? Oh, I've never finished the Thomas Jane Punisher movie. It's it's the best Punisher movie. I'll say that much. No, I. You know what? I never finished it, and I would still vote for Punisher Warzone because that movie is insane. That movie is insane. That's true. So it's way more entertaining. The Thomas Jane Punisher thinks it was made in 1987, but it was <laughs> yeah. made in 2000. Four. Maybe they were trying to remake the Dolph Lundgren Punisher movie. I think they were trying to remake three episodes of Miami Vice. Yeah. <laughs> it was in Miami for some reason. See? I don't understand. Uh, oh, you know what? Speaking of which. Oh, well, anyway, but, but yeah, the Flintstones. Um, oh, right. Uh, so Howie how loves the Flintstones and like how he makes deep cut jokes about the Flintstones ever, <laughs> ever since I met him. Where I'm like, wait, I'm like, what is that joke? He's like, it's this one episode where Frankenstein moves in and Fred says this to Frankenstein. I'm like, nobody remembers that. He's like, I do. What? Yeah, he like he'll uh. remember one joke in one episode. So I was saying how the boys, my boys don't really know about the Flintstones. I asked Ben, he's like, Yeah, isn't that cartoon with cavemen? Because they don't show it all the time. When I was a kid and when you were a kid, it was rerun constantly. Yeah. And like then the gym- yeah, it's like on Boomerang now, but uh, you know, I don't know how much people watch Boomerang. And then I looked on JustWatch.com, which tells you where everything is streaming. Okay. And it was like Flintstones is not streaming on anything. Oh, but iTunes has the complete series for forty bucks. Wow. How so many seasons are there? Six. Yeah. And there's sixty seasons, so there's like thirty episodes a season. Oof. It's like two hundred episodes. I was like, yeah. So guess what I bought today. <laughs> did you buy it? I did. Why? <laughs> because it's a classic cartoon and I can't see it anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, yes. I also bought the season pass of Batwoman for ten dollars because it was on sale and I was back. like, it has a bat. Yeah, the CW show. I'm like, okay. it ha- it has a bat in the title. Is it any good? I've seen two episodes and I liked them. I saw the oh. pilot and then I saw the Crisis episode. Okay, yeah, well, that's and also probably the, probably the two strongest episodes. Maybe I don't know, but it also has you know Ruby Rose, who you who you think is genetically perfect. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Yeah, she's very gender fluid, which is what you like. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She looks like a lesbian, so of course I think she's beautiful. Your your goal is to move to an asexual planet. It would be nice. Where everybody's just uh, like, everyone's the same, and you're just like, I like everybody here. Yeah. Girls heads. <laughs> you broke up right there? I don't know what it recorded, but you said yes, girls heads. Oh, shaved heads. <laughs> oh, girls are shaved heads. Yeah, that's big now. When I was on the cruise, I'd say probably half the women on the cruise had partially shaved hair. Oh, wow. 
Well, I had no interest in going on the cruise before you said that. Now. Now. <laughs> now I'm starting to rethink my cruise position. <laughs> so I don't know if we ever recorded this because I can't keep track of what we've recorded and what's just our conversations. But um, do you remember how I ordered that Doctor Doom action figure? And Did you it ever never get showed it? Up. Well, so. Because your sister has one. <laughs> I ordered it in November. And I never got it. And then you got yours. And then Lisa went out and bought one. And then when I was in Alabama, we, we yeah. stopped at a Walmart and I saw one. And I panicked, so I bought it. Oh, that! but that's great. Now he's your Alabama Walmart Dr. Doom. He's my Alabama Walmart Dr. Doom. And then when we got home from our trip, sitting on the counter in our lobby of our building – was the package, and now we have two Doctor Dooms. So are you using the are you using the two heads? Uh, no, <laughs> I have left the other one packaged, and I'm gonna try to give it to Mike, uh, if and when he ever is open or we're allowed to go visit him again. Oh, Mike Kaplan, Wayne. he was he actually was open yesterday. Was Mike he? Kaplan, who owns uh, Mr. Wayne's Toys and Collectibles in Westmont. So if you're there, um, yeah, he's still opening. He put out a post yesterday. He's like, I'm going to be open from noon to four. Yeah. And I thought about going over there, but then Renee just said she got furloughed. And I'm like, ah, I'll probably spend Not 150 hours. time to go there. be buying stuff like the Flintstones. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, the, the, the Mezco Hal Jordan came out. And I'm like, yeah, if he had that, I'd buy it from him. Yeah. Yeah. The Flint, Flintstones is like $40 for 180 episodes. It's a bargain. How do you pass that up? It is. It's a huge bargain, and you can't get it streaming anywhere. Uh, I've what been the last time you watched the Flintstones? The last time I was able to. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to watch one today. <laughs> yeah, well, you better get your money's worth. Yeah. Uh, I, bought, uh, I bought the Complete Legion because I never watched the third season, and I loved it, but I still haven't yeah. watched the third season. I have heard Legion is phenomenal. So. It's a, it's amazing, and from what I heard, the third season really does end. Oh, they deliberately ended. They deliberately ended. Well, I know going into it, they knew about the Disney deal. So they knew that they were not going to get a season four because Disney was going to take all the X-Men back. Right. Which they and this is a – yeah, and this is a Fox show. Well, then, then Disney bought Fox, so I guess it didn't really matter. Right. But I think – it, it always kind of felt like a limited series. There, I think there was only so far you could go with that. But um, it's a it's it's on Hulu right now if you want to see it. The it's really good, but it, it's dense, so it's it's very hard to binge. Like it was a perfect show to watch once a week. Oh, I gotcha. So yeah, I watch. I feel like uh, you know the binging. Uh, I think we all just jumped into binging because we have no self-control as like a species. Yeah. And then I think when the Mandalorian came out, it was kind of showing us like, oh no, look at look at how much more you enjoy this if you just kind of spread it out, you know, one episode a week, like like you're probably meant to. Yeah, and Picard's doing the same thing, and I'm I'm loving Picard as much as I love the Mandalorian because. Uh, Will Wheaton hosts the after show, so I watch that every week, and then I think about it for a few days, and sometimes, and then I watch it again because uh, some if somebody hasn't seen it, like um, Renee really likes it, which is amazing because she hates the Next Generation, yeah. and in fact she likes Picard so much because it's such a modern type of show, and she likes sci-fi. She's not a sci-fi person, but it's not a barrier. 
Like I, there's a lot of people I talk to who don't come on the podcast that are like, they just have a wall up against sci-fi. And they're like, this isn't real. I don't care. Yeah. But Picard is so good that I've been able to sneak next generation episodes on my wife now uh, that like, I'll be watching it. I'll be like, Oh yeah, there's a plot point in here that ties into Picard. And then she, then I'll catch her interested in it. Cause it's that good, but it is that once a week, it comes out every Thursday. And like I was this week, I was counting the days. So speaking of binge watching, everybody is binge watching now. And there's all these shows that you and I have talked about that you need to get into that you never finished. Yes. Now that you're stuck at home, is there anything you've started or is there anything you're planning on watching that you uh, haven't watched before? Not yet. I uh, I know that that's coming because um, th- it's only been one week. So this last week back, um, for me, I was off two weeks ago. So then this last week was kind of my first week back. was playing a lot of catch up on stuff. Uh, the late yeah, shows, uh, you know, different podcasts and and then just like work in general. And I think now a lot of that stuff's done. This next week is going to be like, OK, now what do we do for fun? <laughs> so right. uh, I think, yeah, I'll take a look. I did find Cosmos. Um, the new season has started and I don't oh, have right. Geo, but somebody is always putting the episodes on YouTube for free. Oh, nice. So <laughs> I've been watching it there. Well, um, the thing I think about Nat Geo, so it's on, it's on Na- National Geographic this time? Uh, y- yes. Because the first season was on Fox, but if it's on National Geographic, that means eventually Disney Plus will put it up. Right, yeah. And I think uh, normally I'd be waiting for it, but then I just kind of stumbled across it on YouTube. Uh, so I think three episodes have been out or four episodes maybe. And I think I've watched all of them. They get put up and then, you know, the YouTube police take them down. You know, they don't like that. Yeah. Um, but yes, so, so then and then yesterday I was like, oh, I'll just, you know, see what's out there to watch. And I just ended up watching uh Infinity War and Endgame back to back, which I haven't done yet. You know, <laughs> they do hold together. I haven't seen through that. I I did do that last do. summer. Yeah, I was interested to kind of see if they do kind of feel like one big movie, and they do. Um, see, I didn't think they so, did. I I thought they felt like like a movie and its sequel, but they were both equally good. Because I felt yeah. like each of each of the stories were fairly self-contained. It wasn't like they it wasn't like they chopped the movie in half. Like Kill no, Bill. It, it, to me, it feels like, um, yeah, it doesn't feel like a movie chopped in half. It feels like uh, one that kind of just like leads into the other. You know what I mean? I don't know that anyone would watch Infinity War and be like, well, I don't need to know how this ends, you know? Right. So then you and I were talking a few days ago and I was saying, uh, especially now that I've been all I've been all Star Trek because of a card. I was uh, I've been trying to get you into Star Trek for about. Uh, as long as we've known each other, which known I think is yeah. it's like nine years now or is it eight years uh, when you opened the store. I think 2011 we opened. Yeah, so, so nine years. Yeah. So yeah, nine I, years you've been trying to get me into this show. So I think it's finally time for you to start. And I'm going to ask you, since there are seven different series, there's 13 movies. You do not have to watch it all. Each Right. I couldn't. Well, eventually you could. Uh, yeah. Oh, how about this? I won't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> where do you think? Where do you think you would want to start? 
I think um, prior to you trying to get me into it um, in the last nine years, my buddy Ken had been, he's a big fan of Next Generation. And yes. he was trying to get me to watch that or recommending it. And uh, so I think if I was going to start anywhere, I'd start there. And I'm, I've been told to skip the first season of Next Generation and just start with the second season. Um, yeah, and the second season's a but, little... Uh, Second season's up and down. I was, I usually tell people to start with the third season, and it's okay. easy to tell because in season three they change their uniforms. Okay. In seasons one and two they're all like wearing like spandex tights, and then in yeah. season three they start wearing two pieces and they have the high collars, and that's when it really gets good. But I, lately I've been like randomly watching some season twos, and they're not only are there some good ones in there, there are some important ones in there. Oh, like continuity-wise. Yes, yeah. There are a few things I'm like, oh, yeah, they pay that off five years later, or they pay that Mm -hmm. off. And have you seen any of the movies? I've seen Wrath of Khan, Mm -hmm. and I saw the one with the whales. Oh, four, yeah. Yeah. Um, And and you and I saw the J.J. Abrams. Yeah, and I've seen that trilogy. Um, But I didn't see the Picard movies, I don't think. Oh, okay. Yeah, First Contact is amazing. There, And in fact, because of Picard, there are a lot of uh, lists online now of essential viewing of like, here's the 20 episodes of Next Generation you need to see. And it's a show that you can do that. There's not a ton of continuity. So if you did like – if you did like, like, here's the, yeah. here's the best of – I think it's of, like a streamlined list. You yes, because there are 180 episodes. And that's – 180 too many <laughs> you needed one episode well yeah it's just like uh, let's condense it down a little bit get like 10 you know yeah a manageable I'll, number let me i am just gonna i'll put it on a facebook page but i'm gonna send you that because there's like 15 20 and they're all amazing and then the idea the hope is that you watch those um why well, i would say watch the movies but really first contact is the only great movie and you should absolutely watch First Contact when you finish First the Contact is the Borg movie, yes. right? Yeah. yeah, and I think I've seen parts of it. Like, uh, it was on TV or something. I remember seeing Picard with, like, robot pieces. Yes, um, which happens in the show, but it's also in the movie. Mm. But but that show, that movie is so – I think that movie's in my top ten movies of all time. In your I, top ten? I think so. It's, like, it's up there with Ratha Khan. It's like I really – I don't know why. I really, really, really love that movie. Patrick Stewart's amazing in it. Yeah, he's great in everything. Yeah. He's in fact, I like it so much that I, yesterday I listened to the audiobook of the novelization of First Contact. Wow. And <laughs> it was – Is it written by or is it uh, performed by uh, Patrick Stewart? No, it's performed by Gates McFadden who was Dr. Crusher on Next Generation. Oh, okay. But the funny thing is, she does all the voices. Oh, really? So she's kind of making fun of everyone she works with. <laughs> so she great. does she does a Patrick Stewart. Yeah. So That's it was adorable. it was and, and it's one of those audiobooks that has like sound effects in it, where oh, she's like, okay. and then Picard shot at the Borg, and they like put the phaser sound effect in there. But that's how that's how much I like that movie. But I will send you. Yeah, I would suggest. That you start with that streamlined version of Next Gen and then watch uh, First Contact. Generations you, Generations is not a great movie, 
but Generations is like the transition of Next Generation from a TV show to a movie, and it's the one where Picard meets Captain Kirk. So if you want to see William Shatner and Patrick Stewart together, that's the movie. Yeah, I think that'd be interesting to see more for the um, um, novelty of it, you know? Yeah, it's not a great movie. It's one of those movies where it's not terrible, but it's kind of like they're clearly checking things off a list because it's one of those movies like, hey, this thing happened, then this thing happened, then this thing happened, then this thing happened. And at the end of it, you're like, was that movie about anything? Right. Now, it's a bunch uh, of set pieces. It, yeah, like, like, like a bad Bond movie. Oh, by the way, spe- speaking there are of, a lot of those. Yeah, speaking of Bond, I watched Skyfall and Spectre in the last couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, Skyfall's still great, and Spectre's not great. Yeah, I was going to ask, because we only saw, I only saw Spectre one time, and uh, I was curious, it doesn't hold up, does it? The action pieces are better than I remembered, and you and I reviewed it the week it came out. We didn't like it at all. No, uh, we didn't. But it's very slow. It's like... Skyfall takes its time, but Spectre, like, has a big action set piece, and then it just dies for, like, 15, 20 minutes. But it's not as bad as Quantum of Solace. Quantum of Solace is a bad movie. Yeah, it's so bad, I don't even really remember it. Yeah, that's the thing about it. I watched it, because we watched them all, but I don't, um, I can't tell you what happens in it. Is that the more, like, a building slides into the ocean? Mm, I don't remember. (laughs) I don't know. I remember there's the, there's like a weird building in the desert where they end up like the bad guy has the lair and that's where they end up fighting him. That and then there's a car chase in the very beginning. That's all I remember. I feel like that's like every Bond movie. I know, but when they when they postponed No Time to Die to November, like people were getting upset, and I was like, yeah, Daniel Craig's two for four. I was like, this one could be. If it's great, I want to see it. If it's not great, I'll see it. But. Yeah, I, I think it's like, uh, yeah, he's he's hit or miss. It's like, I don't think he's a bad Bond. He's a pretty good Bond, but uh, the, yeah, he's I, not in, uh, not all his movies are great. No, they're not stupid, but they're just, they can be a little lame. It was like Pierce Brosnan. I still really like Goldeneye. I, I think love that's my favorite Bond movie. Yeah, I think it's a great movie, but the other three suck. Uh, yes, they're all terrible. Yeah, but I, don't, I wouldn't say, well, Daniel Craig movies are not as bad as bad Pierce Brosnan. Right. I would still rather watch a bad Daniel Craig movie than any other Pierce Brosnan movie other than Goldeneye or Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> Is Mrs. Doubtfire a Bond film? Um, No, but he's in it. He's in Mrs. Doubtfire. I know, but like I could see Mrs. Doubtfire being a Bond film. Maybe Robin Williams is the Bond villain. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> and he's a master of disguise. And maybe Pierce, um, Pierce Brosnan is undercover. Yeah, because he's only dating Sally Field <laughs> to figure out how Mrs. Right. Doubtfire is going to control the world. Right. He's doing his fine work. I, I now like Mrs. Doubtfire 35% more than I did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, yeah, so that's my suggestion for Star Trek. I'll send you a list, and then after first contact, um, definitely watch Picard, because if you want to – I mean, it, but I can't stop talking about it, because – one of the things that's great about it is Patrick Stewart is kind of a different actor in the last 20 years since he was Professor X. Right. And he brings that to the character, and you can see, oh, this is how the character evolved. Because it's one of those where um, uh, it's uh, – is it kind of – I guess it's like the Star Wars, the recent Star Wars movies. 
oh, by the way, Rise of Skywalker came out early, and I bought it and didn't finish it. Oh. That movie is slower than I remembered. Yeah. Well, because we only saw it one time, right? Right. Yeah. And that was and that was the thing. They bumped it up. That was Disney was not going to drop that on Disney Plus. They were like, yeah, Star Wars fans will still pay for it. So they dropped it on iTunes early and I bought it and we were all excited to watch it. And then uh, like it took us like four or five days to put it on. And then we didn't finish it. The boys paid no attention to it. Wow. And I just kind of kind of drifted out, and I was on the computer, and I was like, wait, what's happening? And it's a movie that feels like it's really long, but not that much happens. And you guys all, the whole family was into The Mandalorian, right? Yeah, no, we all loved it. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, Star Wars is one of those where my kids are like, eh, if it's good, I like it. When it's not good, I don't care. I don't want to watch it. Like, they're not, they're not in, in. Yeah, they're only watching um, uh, what they like. Right. Have you yeah. guys done? Um, I heard that new Clone Wars uh, cartoon is out. You see that? No. See, I didn't finish the old Clone Wars. I got to about season four, and I re- I clearly remember I was DVRing it from Cartoon Network, and then it uh, there was one day where I was looking at my DVR and it said three episodes of Clone Wars, and I sighed. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? Good time to to stop. Yeah, it's time to quit Clone Wars. So I never finished the original run. So I don't really care. There's people that just love it. Yeah. I I still haven't finished Rebels. I started watching Rebels when Disney Plus started. And I got to about season three, and I'm like, yeah, it's good. But I don't know. Maybe because I'm old enough now where the kids' shows don't quite resonate with me. Yeah. And we talked about this. There's so much property from the franchises where in the 90s i was you know a college student in my 20s but i never missed the x-men animated series or spider-man or even fantastic four or iron man because somebody was making a tv show out of these right but now because there's so much of all that stuff yeah it's like i haven't seen you know i spider-man's my second favorite comic book character ever and i haven't finished the last two animated series because they're not for me yeah, I never finished Ultimate Spider-Man, and then the new one, I wa- I watched the first one hoping it was going to be great, like Spectacular Spider-Man, and then I was like, no, they're clearly making these for kids, and they're telling me I'm not a kid. Right. So, so I yeah. I can't go back to corners. What about you? No, I mean it's I'm very in the same boat. The like uh, I really liked Avengers: Earth's Mightiest Heroes, and then when they rebooted it, I think it was just Avengers Assembled, and they put like Falcon on the team and. Uh, they kind of threw out the continuity from the previous show. I had a really hard time as like I kept giving up on it. Then I saw they were doing like Thanos and they did the Infinity Gauntlet story and they did all the um, the Black Order and they had all these guys in there. And uh, I just can't bring myself to like get through it. <laughs> it's like yeah. I like it's just it's the it just hits so low uh, age wise. It's just like this is just. Uh, you know, 10% of this is for me. You know, the other 90% of this is for, you know, Sebastian's age group. Exactly. And that's the thing when they canceled Earth's Mightiest Heroes and ironically, and then uh, moved it over to um, created Avengers Assemble. What they were trying to do, they weren't trying to wipe out the continuity. They were trying to bring it in line with the other shows because right. all of those shows are a shared universe. Um, Hulk Agents of Smash, Ultimate Spider-Man. Um, Avenger Guardians of the Galaxy had a show. 
and those were all like interconnected. But I was like, mm, it's like CW. Um, right. And I it's, said this. Like, just an instance of where the interconnectedness hurts it because it's like it just seems too impenetrable, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like I, I it's too many shows that like right. I would give this a half an hour a week. I'm not giving you three and a half hours a week. Right. Yeah, it's not going to happen. And even under like quarantine, I'm not going to, you know, I, try to visit these things. Right. So what are your quarantine plans? I know I know the world doesn't make sense and nobody can have plans anymore. Right. But, I, well, I think the big thing for me is um, uh, catching up on stuff I ha- haven't had time to do. Uh, the biggest thing is just going to be slogging through the mountain of uh, omnibuses I've got. Which, oh, yeah. Uh, What's, which is so, awesome. What's first on the list for that? Well, right now it's um, I'm reading volume three of Fantastic Four by Lee and Kirby. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that's that's some good stuff. The yeah, I, I will warn you, the end of it slows down because you can you can see the point where Kirby gives up. Yeah, I know at some point they're going to run out of gas on this. Yeah, the um, last couple right of years, now. which which are in that omnibus, is like. I'm like, yeah, he's clearly talking to DC at this point. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of phone calls happening. Yeah, where it's like, and you could tell he was creating characters and saving them. Like, like he created Darkseid, and he was like, yeah, mm, Doctor Doom again. <laughs> yeah, they're fighting. Um, I just read an issue. They're fighting like a, uh, the Mad Thinker, and it's like a, just a nondescript green android. It's just like he's just like a green outline of a person. Oh and yeah, like, he's not oh, the well, awesome yeah, android. Yeah. Yeah, it's not even like the good androids. <laughs> yeah, there's there are two really weird stories I think around ninety where uh the thing is kidnapped by scrolls and has to join their boxing ring. Oh wow. Okay. And, and there's a whole tribute to the prisoner with Doctor Doom. Really? Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. I mean the art is fantastic. The art's it's, great. Yeah. It's Kirby at that point where he was going from his peak to getting weirder. Right, yeah, because it's you don't get one without the other. Yeah, yeah. So it's like I'd say, I I think the high water mark for Kirby is like around Fantastic Four fifty, Galactus and the Inhumans and uh yeah, Ronan the Accuser and Claw, all of that stuff is just the gold standard. And then uh, then he starts getting weird. Right. Yeah. He's that's a lot of funny ideas. <laughs> yeah. Um. But What's then that? I've got uh. Two volumes of Conan the Barbarian with um, John Buscema. Nice. I do uh, not. Have- no, they're they're awesome. They came out um, probably in the last six or eight months. Marvel got the rights back, or well, much longer than that. But and what what volumes are those? Because I know Barry Windsor Smith is the early stuff. So I've got three volumes. Barry Windsor Smith stuff is all included in the first volume with a little bit of Buscema at the end. And then uh, Buscema's the majority of volume two. Um, and then he's a little bit in three, but I think at three they start like rotating out him for other artists, which I haven't gotten to yet. So I'm not really sure who all's in there, but I think Buscema's the bulk of his stuff is confined to um, volume two. Yeah, so Buscema, and Buscema loved Conan. Once he got on yeah. Conan, he never wanted to do superheroes again. And, no. sa- and sadly, he was such a major talent, but. When you look at his superhero stuff from like the eighties, it's like it's uninspired. Like yeah, the, well, he like his care. Avengers run or the uh the, the Wolverine, the early Wolverine. 
Yeah. You're like you like you know that. he could still be great, but he just he doesn't want to put the effort in. Yeah, I do. Uh, I do really like his '80s Avengers run because it was like some of the first stuff I read. Right, uh, but it's not his. It's not no, his seven. It's but when not you go back, look at the cre- uh, look look at the stuff around the Kree Scroll War, which I know is Neil Adams, but the stuff before when he like brings back the Vision and Black puts Black Panther in there. Yeah, it's the, awesome. And uh, his Silver Surfer. Yes, which another um, there. The the omnibus they released for that is out of print, but they are re-releasing it, and I think it comes out next month, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. Um. So you know, if comics are still a thing next month, um, <laughs> and I've got some leftover government money, maybe I'll put an order in for that. <laughs> yeah. The last few omnibuses I got were all very shitty X-Men. Yeah, I don't know why you thought those were <laughs> a good investment. Um, I just wanted to fill the hole, and I was like. Yeah. There were two omnibuses, X-Men Revolution and then Eve of Destruction. Um, Both of those, I was like, hey, I've never read these. This is like 30 issues of X-Men that I have never read. Yeah. And then I read them. I'm like, these are terrible. Yeah, but now you've read them, John. (laughs) Now I've read them. And the the funny thing about Eve of Destruction is it's another one of those um, books that like halfway through, you can feel everyone on it giving up. Yeah, and it's like it's clear like somewhere ha- halfway through the book was like they just signed Grant Morrison, didn't they? <laughs> right, because <And laughs> like nobody's an- trying to make anything happen anymore. Yeah, because they're all just like, what does it matter? Grant's just gonna do whatever he wants. Yeah, it's, and he uh, did. That run is amazing. Feeling. Yeah, I mean, so good in fact that no one else on any other X Men book at the time had any idea what the fuck they were doing. Yeah, the same thing happened with Batman when he he quit X Men to do Batman. Yeah, uh, Paul Dini did some good stuff, but then after after that, people were just like, "Wait, what? Uh, there's a new Robin? What?" Yeah, it's always interesting when they put Grant on anything. Um, he's on Green Green Lantern now, I think. Yeah, he is. He's still on it. That? I'm way behind. I read like the first seven issues. Yeah, And I like him, but it's like, I feel like he's doing the old heavy metal magazine. Like, it's that really weird 70s kind of sci-fi. Yeah. Where it's like, everything's interconnected, and it's a lot of mind-bending stuff. Sure. Um, I really like the art. I'm, I am a big Liam Sharp guy. Yeah. And it's one of those when Comixology puts them on sale, I grab up the next batch and read them, but I'm not paying full price i'm not getting the trades right um it's not here it's it's certainly not justice league or batman or x-men it's not on that level but it's good right yeah i figure it's um it's worth reading i've heard it's good um i haven't gotten to it yet but maybe on quarantine yeah and it is another one of those where he did like 12 issues then canceled it then like relaunched Relaunched it as Black Lanterns and then canceled that, and now it's like Green Lantern Volume 2, which I hate in comics. That's the thing I hate about his Batman run. X-Men, he stayed on New X-Men, beginning to end and left. Batman is like four different titles. It drives me crazy. It's a mess. And, uh, you know, he's he's a great example of somebody that needs an editor. Somebody needs to have the reins on that guy. (laughs) Yeah, and Batman's even more frustrating because, like, he was missing issues. There's like fill-ins all over the place. And then once he got it together, he was like, ah, I'm leaving Batman. I'm creating Batman and Robin, which means somebody else has to write Batman because they're not going to cancel Batman. Right. And then he's like, uh, now I'm done with Batman and Robin. I'm going to do Batman Incorporated. But Batman and Robin's selling, so somebody else does Batman and Robin. 
So it's very hard. There are two omnibuses of his Batman run, and that's what I would recommend to people because then you could just read straight Grant Morrison. And, you know, Grant Morrison doesn't give a shit about what anybody else is doing. No, not not even the slightest. <laughs> no. Like, uh, he wrote Final Crisis at the time, and Batman doesn't really care about Final Crisis. No, and I guess, yeah, it's uh, that's why I typically recommend omnibuses if – folks are looking to read longer runs because it's it's usually everything um the other one i'm reading right now is the it's not great but it's it's okay is the ms marvel omnibus and it has all of her early appearances up until like the costume change and then like the horrific events of avengers 200 <laughs> and oh, is that the uh so there's a lot of john byrne in there uh, no, it's uh, it's it's mostly her series. So a lot of it's written by uh, Chris Claremont and Jim Mooney. And I think George Tuska are doing the art. I could be oh, wrong. Okay. I think Jim Mooney is at least. But they have like a lot of Marvel team up that she uh, appeared in. Uh, so it's it's kind of like it follows like the trajectory of like the character. Yeah, um, there is. A, I think the Marvel team up is Claremont and Byrne because it's like Spider-Man and Ms. Marvel fighting the Super Scroll. Yes, that's I'm exactly pretty it. sure. That yeah, she- that's Byrne. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was burn. Um, but it was and it was great. But then you're just like, oh, this is great for two issues. And then we're back to not John Byrne, you know? Yeah. And well, and that's the weird thing about Chris Claremont was when I was a, a kid or really in high school, once they started reprinting it, uh, reading the early stuff, I was so confused because these characters would just show up. And I didn't know who they were, and they'd be important characters for a couple of years, and then they'd go away. And it wasn't until much later that I realized, oh, that's because Chris Claremont was writing this other book. So, like, oh, why right. why does Ms. Marvel suddenly show up in X-Men and Rogue steals her powers, and then she becomes binary? I'm like, yeah. why, why is Ms. Marvel in the X-Men? Because Claremont was writing Ms. Marvel and yeah. missed that character. It was the same with, like, Colleen Wing was da- was dating Cyclops. Because he had he was writing a lot of Misty Knight and Colleen Wing in Iron Fist. Right, and they were roommates or something. So it's yeah, like, so uh, as much as much as X Men was one series that ran, and everybody complains about the '90s. Oh, there's so many titles; it goes all over the place. That original run of X Men is not as clean as you think it is. Yeah, I think a lot of people think it's a lot cleaner than they remember, and then yeah. if you read it, it's kind of like, oh, there is a lot more getting pulled into these books from other things Claremont was writing. Right, and that and that's always going to be the problem with, as you say, with the omnibuses. The omnibuses are always going to have something that doesn't quite pay off, because especially when you, you're reprinting old stuff like that, they were all meant just to be on the newsstand for a couple of weeks, and it was more right. important that they mentioned another title that might be on the stands that week than they mentioned something that happened 20 issues ago. Right. Like they've got uh, the, I just read an issue where she, Ms. Marvel's fighting like Tiger Shark or something. Yeah. And uh, they're like, they're talking about Hydro Base. And to me, Hydro Base is like an old Avengers headquarters. But in this, because it takes place before the Avengers were working out of Hydro Base, it's like, it's Submariner has it. And it's like, there's a bunch of Atlanteans on it. And then there's like a little box and it's like, to see about Hydra Base, check out this week's issue of Submariner. And I'm like, uh, what? Yeah. So it's like, it this issue of Submariner that Marvel is never going to reprint. Right. Yeah. It's just like, uh, so you do kind of have to just kind of take it this all and be like, all right, there's just some things going on in this world that I'm just never going to know about, I guess. <laughs> And that's, you know what, that's what keeps people out of comics. That's exactly what keeps people out of comics. There's people that can 
get past that, and then there's people that cannot. Yeah, because I was just reading the new issue of Amazing Spider-Man, and they're teasing up their big crossover event, which is called Empire. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's like Avengers and Fantastic Four. It looks like the Kree and Skrull are now going to team up to attack Earth. Yeah, it looks. I think from the solicitations I read is that Hulkling from Young Avengers is the son of a Kree, Captain Marvel. Because he was a Skrull, yeah. He's both, right? So yeah. because, And then his birth essentially is going to unite the two space empires in a one empire. Right, and it was one of those where I read the... I read the the fold-out that they had in the middle of the issue, and I was like, oh, this sounds good, and Dan Slott's going to be a big part of it because Fantastic Four is going to be a big thing. And I'm like, oh, this story sounds good. And then I turned the page, and it was like 17 specials. Yeah. And it was like it's one issue. Miniseries. Yeah, it's like the Spider-Man is a special, but Jonathan Hickman's going to write an issue of X-Men, which I'm behind, but I'm reading. And I'm not like – and immediately my brain was like, ah, I don't think I'm going to read this. Yeah. And I'm excited for it. I was, uh, it, it looks like they're bringing in a lot of cool stuff that, like, I care about. They're going to go back and talk about, like, stuff from the Kree Scroll War and Swordsman's coming back, I guess. But it's like, uh, I'm also just like, oh, this is going to, this is something where it's like, it could be good, but I think they do what they always do and they, they pump out too much stuff. There's too much material, there's too many tie ins, and it's like, uh, it, it becomes unwieldy, you know, it's, you really can't get your hands around it. Right. And my big problem with what they did is, since the Bendis era is it doesn't have an ending. It's like, right. They're It'll just they're, lead to the next crossover. Right. They they go towards an ending, go towards an ending, go towards an ending. And then they just veer off because they're like, uh, well, actually what it is, is we're going to keep selling all this stuff. And Hey, here's another crossover coming. And it's just such a letdown. And I think, I think that really starts with Civil War, where the most important event that happened in the Civil War happened after Civil War was done. Right. Was yeah. Like, think about it. Like House of M's pretty self-contained as a story. There was a lot, lot of limitations that came afterward. Right. But um, yeah, House of M is like a, an event was a pretty decent event. You know, it's like a kind of one off. But then it's like a, it's been uh, endless events since then. Right. And Civil War was like Civil War was doing great and then the final issue was like wait that's it nothing really happened then three weeks later they put out an issue of captain america where captain america dies and i'm like wait that was the end of civil war right you could tell at some point marvel was like no captain america should die in his own book but it's like yeah but you just castrated your crossover event right yeah they um they haven't able to been able to kind of Whatever crossovers, I, I think they should still exist. They should not be yearly, and they shouldn't be as big as they are in terms of, like, how many books get wrapped up in them. Yeah, they shouldn't but last they, for nine months out of that year. Right. Uh, they they need to be a little more concise. And I wasn't around, obviously, for Secret Wars, but I do think um, that's an example of, like, a crossover I thought worked really well. It was this, like, oh, it put a lot of books on hiatus. This big event happened. There was actual ramifications from it. It did change things. Um, you know, but they didn't uh, even put they did not even put the books on hiatus. It was just oh, that's right. Because didn't Spider Man show up in a black costume and you're like, wait until Secret was, Wars ends? Yeah, it was the next week. It was like that that month. All of the books ended with them going into Secret Wars. The next month, they didn't pause this posting schedule at all. The next month, everybody comes out of the Secret Wars and they're all like, man, that was crazy. And yeah. then Marvel's like, well, oh, we you want to find about it. Yeah, so basically Secret Wars was a year-long flashback. Yeah, that's crazy. Which was a cool idea, but then a year later they did Secret Wars 2, and that was a disaster. 
Yeah, well, I think that's part of the problem is it's like uh, if you don't have a good idea, don't just do a sequel to the thing that worked the first time. Yeah, it was like – I mean we were just saying how Civil War was a flawed event, and then uh, a couple of years ago they did Civil War too. Right, well, and it's just like – And uh, it ain't no shit. stupid. Yeah, it was like, well, we're going to kill War Machine. You're not really. Right. Yeah. It, yeah, and it was – honestly, it was just because the Captain America Civil War movie came out. So they were like, we need books that say Civil War on them. Yeah, and it's like I understand it from like a marketing standpoint. But then it's also like, uh, you know, the, <laughs> let's use a little common sense too. You know what I mean? Well, you know what the other thing to wrap up since we're about a time is uh, made me think of the MCU because it was like the MCU took the idea of Civil War from the comics, but then the comics had to – recreate that event so they would have product that looked like it tied into the movie yeah now with the coronavirus we're hearing that all the studios uh, as we said uh they've already closed down all the movie theaters they're putting stuff out early on streaming or they're moving it to streaming platforms uh new mutant still isn't coming out so yeah <laughs> that movie's like uh it's like a comedy gold you know? yeah uh, yeah, that movie and like the Flash, they just announced. Oh, we were right about to make that Ezra Miller Flash. I'm oh, like, I'm sure they were. Yeah, j- like the Channing Tatum Gambit, you were. Yeah. Or, or like the Todd McFarlane Spawn reboot. Yeah. I'm sorry, sorry, McFarlane was like, oh man, we were just about to start rolling. <laughs> the Spawn, the Spawn movie reboot, the Spawn movie reboot is like Trump's tax returns. <laughs> Yes. Oh yeah. No, no. Uh, they're com- it's coming. <laughs> but uh, one of the things we're learning now is that productions are getting paused. Black Widow has been delayed. They haven't announced what they're doing for that. I doubt they will put that on Disney Plus because that's too much money to lose. Right. Like the new Pixar. Okay, they can get their subscribers back. I was just talking about with Howie about it um, before, and how he works for like MSNBC and CNBC. And he said uh, Disney, Disney Plus took a major hit after Mandalorian ended. Yeah, I imagine a lot of people canceled the subscription because there wasn't anything new. Right. I mean, I kept it because there's a lot of old stuff that my kids want to watch. But, like, I don't expect to carry CBS after Picard ends next week. Right. But now if they're going to put out, like, Onward and Frozen 2, that might get some people back before the shows are ready. But now they're saying the shows might not be ready. So um, Warner Brothers announced that – uh, production on Batman stopped. Um, Obi Wan was already stalled. I think I think production on WandaVision is being held up. So what's I think what's going to end up happening is whenever this thing lifts, we're going to see some of the ramifications down the road. So it's like yeah, right now movies are coming out because these movies are done. Sure. But six months from now, there's just going to be a dry spell. Yeah, we might not see anything new at all. So it's yeah. like movie theaters might reopen to no movies. Yeah, I mean, unless they're just going to hold all these movies that they like Black Widow. And then once whenever this is over, whatever this is close to being over, they lift a ban and then they just rush out a bunch of movies. So then the theaters can catch up. But it's like, uh, how many theaters do you think are going to be able to be closed for, you know, six or eight weeks? Right. You know three months potentially or 18 months if this you know depending on how uh bad the case is getting about two and a half weeks right and that's um, every bit I, and you, I, right and you can talk about how much online is going to fill in the gap but you still have people 
working at, at those websites and you're going right. to have less people working and you got to have them separated, not working closely together. I mean, Amazon Prime last week dropped from two day delivery to five days. Right. Because they don't have the bandwidth. Yeah. And like I, I was talking to people who were like, oh, I'm going to order everything from Amazon and the truck's just going to drop stuff off and I won't have to deal with people. I'm like, no, you still gonna have to deal with the five people that handle that box. And the coronavirus can live on paper for like 12 hours. Yeah, I've heard and it you can live on plastic for like nine days. Right. Yeah. I bought some, <laughs> I bought something from e- I bought something from eBay when I got back, and then after I bought it, I was like, was that a smart idea? Right. And it showed up yesterday, and it was in perfect condition. It was exactly what I ordered. It came pretty quickly. But when I opened the box and put my hand in, I was like, am I just like grabbing a handful of coronavirus? Yeah, there's so you're supposed to sanitize anything that you have shipped to you. Uh, so yeah, I I don't know cardboard <laughs> box. Right? How do you sanitize it? You know, open it I, with gloves and a hazmat suit. Yeah, put it in your dishwasher. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you open the box with a spoon. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting so it's, times. It's gonna remain interesting. Um. Yeah, I want to. I, I think the main thing I need to know is how many people have fully recovered from it. Because if you can fully recover from it, if you're not in a high risk category, part of me is like, yeah, give it to me. Because <laughs> then I. Just to get it over with. Get it done with, and then I don't care. And then I can just walk around the world. Right. Although, you know, I don't really need to walk around the world. I'm fine inside. Yeah, I was going to say, this is kind of like an introvert's dream, you know? Yeah, this is kind of a dream come true. Yeah, right. It's like everyone's living your dream. Yeah, it's like there's just too many people in my house. That's my only problem. If there yeah. was like one other person in here, it'd be perfect. Right, there's just too many. But like four, yeah, that all want to do their own thing <laughs> and make noise. Eh. Uh, all right, well, yeah, so, so Stephen, how do we find you online? Because we cannot find you in the world. You won't find me in the world. You can find me on Instagram at the Brave Butter Pecan. Um, that's pretty much it. I'm making an occasional appearance on Facebook more to just touch base with people um, that I don't have direct contact info for. Uh, but yeah, Instagram is probably the go-to uh, way for me. And you can follow me at Not On My Book on Instagram and Twitter. That is the official Caffeinated Comics social networking feed. You can also go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Comics, for all the news that might actually happen. And to keep in touch with the show, we're not going to miss an episode while we continue. Uh, you can subscribe to us on Stitcher, on Spotify, or on iTunes, or on Apple Podcasts, depending on how you've updated your Apple OS. And you can go directly to Radio Misfits. We are proud members of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Just go to radiomisfits.com, and there we are in the Lifestyle tab. We will talk to you next week.